All right, welcome to the show. I'm Matt Copenheffer. Joining me today in our special show, Patrick Mars. Great to be here. We are in Las Vegas. Well, I won't say live. We're not live. We're taping this live. Correct. You and I are we, alive right now. We are alive. We are <laughs> alive and live. But it is definitely on location. We are on location in Las Vegas. I've got my press pass here for the Transact 14 conference. Uh, essentially, this is a payment, uh, payment technologies conference. So yep. we're hearing about all of the issues related to security, related to development, related to international growth and development of the payments industry. This yeah. is this is huge, right? This is this is what every finance investor should be thinking about. Yeah, it, this is really a fascinating time for us because I think so often when we consider the mobile payments landscape, it really like one of the things that I, I think is fascinating. With I, I believe that credit cards themselves have been around as we know them for, I want to say, around 50 years or so. Mm -hmm. And to think of all the various industries that have undergone incredible change, whether it be phones or televisions or cars themselves, or there's so much that we've seen rapid change. And to think, okay, well, the way that all of those things are purchased and bought, the credit card itself or debit card, it's essentially been the same. So I think right. it is poised for disruption. So it's curious to see what that may look like, whether it's this year or 10 years from now. Okay, so starting off here, I think one area I wanted to touch on right off the top is union pay. Yep. And, and I think for a lot of the WTMI viewers, listeners, union pay may or may not ring bells, but this is, this is the largest credit card brand mm -hmm. um, in China. Yep. Uh, this is a, basically a global powerhouse. Um, Union Pay was started, uh, it's a payments network just like Visa, just like MasterCard, but it was started by a, conglomerate, a group of banks in China to have this sort of payments network. And, you know, I think that, um, I, I think that's what, what's really interesting is that we don't really think about Union Pay here in the U.S. We, we're thinking about Visa, we're thinking about MasterCard, we're thinking about Discover. But UnionPay is starting to make inroads into the U.S. Mm -hmm. even as it continues to expand its dominance uh, in China. The other thing that I think is interesting about UnionPay, and this is really more interesting about, about China and the credit card industry there, is that um, just one small instance is that most of the transactions, most of the UnionPay transactions, most of the Chinese kind of credit card transactions are debit cards. Yep. Um, and that highlights, we'll talk a little bit more about this later in the show, but that highlights the fact that when we think about the payments industry in different uh, markets in different countries, it's not as easy as just saying, well, I understand how it works here in the U.S., I understand how things operate here in the U.S., so I understand what's going on in all these other countries. But when yeah. you, th I heard numbers today somewhere in the range of 90% uh, is debit card in China, and that's a huge, huge difference. Stunning. Um, so we were talking about earlier the, um, you, you were mentioning to me, the brand dominance of UnionPay. And again, this is a brand that most U.S. consumers aren't familiar with, but right. Hong Kong, it has to compete with Visa and MasterCard, right? Yeah, and I think that's one of the fascinating things for me to, to learn about UnionPay is that in, it, it's the, the principal brand in China, but in Hong Kong, it, it also has a really strong market position there where mm -hmm. it is a free market more as we know it and where Visa and MasterCard have inroads. I, b I believe we learned today that it was Visa was the number one 
um, uh, processor there, but then UnionPay was second ahead mm -hmm. of MasterCard. Yeah, which is which is really fascinating to me that you know it, it's not as though okay this is some exclusive provider in China itself, but it also is able to expand outside its borders, which I think is really neat. Yeah, and, and when we think about the potential for obviously Visa and Mastercard mm -hmm. are going to want to access the broader China market, right? Yeah, but with the ownership model of UnionPay, that's going to be really difficult. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the things that I learned today about UnionPay is it is uh, essentially a, a conglomerate, uh, or maybe conglomerate isn't the, the best way to describe it. Cabal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you could, a consortium, we consortium. Could, there are all, all kinds of great words. Lots of good SAT words. Uh, yeah, yeah, that of essentially all the, the biggest banks in China, and it is their principal payment network, and that was one thing that was really interesting for me to learn today was just thinking, well, gosh, if those are inroads that Visa and MasterCard have to attempt to, to get through, because the payments network, I mean, there is a lot of entrenchment and just investment that must go on in order to, to have it all underlying. And to think if they're going up not only against each other, but just such a, a, a firm that has such a forceful hold in the industry itself, it, it does present somewhat of a question to me. I, I'm just, it's not something I've ever really dug into or, or researched a ton, but it's certainly something that, that piqued my interest when I learned that. Was well, actually, until recently, in China, transactions that were yawn to yuan had to be union pay. Had, right. had, to be, had to be processed on union pay. So that was only recently that the WTO said, no, 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 you gotta open, you gotta open it up, you gotta let other, um, mm -hmm. other processing networks in there. But it's still a question of how soon does that happen? Right. So we'll see how long Visa and MasterCard have to have to get in first of all, and then how well they're able to penetrate that. But moving on to Discover, and this is actually this is actually a good transition because um, Discover. So keeping on the international flavor, international theme mm -hmm. here. Discover actually has a partnership with UnionPay, right? Right, and that was something that I think was really interesting for me to learn as well, was the reality that, and I personally have a Discover card, um, if I were to go to China, I could easily swipe it and it would be a routine transaction just as I know it. And for the same thing, for um, consumers from China coming to the US, anywhere, I believe it's anywhere and everywhere, Discover card is accepted, then they can pay um, with their their union pay card, so I exactly. think that's a really that's a really neat relationship to me to think. Okay, you know it it certainly doesn't mean that you know Discover has free reign into China and it it now is um, you know this going to be a dominant market player there. But partnerships like that are always compelling and and interesting to note and understand that they exist. Yeah, and, and I think it's it highlights a, more of a general point from when Discover was spun off into its own company. Mm -hmm. It was, I think it's fair to say it was an, it was an also-ran brand. It, to be fair, today you can probably still describe it as an also-ran brand when you compare it to Visa, MasterCard, or UnionPay, yep. right? But the approach that Discover has taken, um, it's really expanded outside of what it had traditionally done, yeah. and it's doing things that are non-traditional, like that UnionPay partnership, like uh, acquiring diners club so that's yeah. that's the point that i wanted to hit on that to me thinking about discover and the diners club acquisition in the past it was sort of like okay they've got diners club that gives them international exposure but diners club is sort of like a so so 
brand. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not a to me it was hard to get excited about them having that brand. But what it is, it's a is it's a platform and mm -hmm. it's um, it's being set up in the places that 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 um, Diners Club is set up. So that gives Discover that ready platform that that ready inroad into these other countries. And I think from what we heard today, it sounds like Discover is aggressively moving on that platform and, and leveraging that to get into, to, to be a, a broader global player. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that was, was also really interesting to me was, was learning about the Union Pay Partnership, but also uh, the presenter today listed all sorts of other different entities and banks and, and all these things that, I, frankly, I'd, I'd never heard of, didn't ring any bells, but saying, hey, we have partnerships with, with these people, whether, um, you know, I mean, spread throughout the entire world. And so I think that's a compelling consideration and something to always keep in mind. Okay, uh, Federal Reserve. Uh, we had a member of the uh, Federal, Federal Reserve Bank of Boston yep. uh, at, the, at the conference today talking about mobile payments in particular. And one of the key takeaways that I had from that was the mobile payments versus mobile banking. Yep. So we talk, we talk a lot about mobile banking on the show, mm -hmm. whether we're talking about, so Bank of the Internet is a great example of, obviously, a bank that has that dialed in. They're, they're a, a, an internet bank, and so they've got to have the mobile banking, they've got to have the online presence, they're doing that really well. We hear from Bank of America, we hear from JP Morgan, hey, we've got these mobile apps, we've got this great uptake on it, yep. but mobile payments is a whole different, uh, it's a whole different ball game. Mm -hmm. um, and it's much more fragmented in terms of the technology, in terms of uh, what we're potentially looking at to use. So you've got Google trying to, trying to do their thing with yeah, the, the, their, Google their wallet. wallet. Yep, yep. the Google wallet. Um, you've got uh, PayPal, uh, obviously with, with a big, um, uh, big market share there. Um, you've got, uh, there's a company called Level Up that, okay. that I actually use. They're, uh, they partner with restaurants and other, and they do the, uh, the QR code Yep. Um, scanning. So you've got all of these different technologies, all of these different companies. So it's much more fragmented. There's a lot. It, it just seems like there's so much more ground that needs to be made up before you have some sort of coherent atmosphere yeah. with the mobile payments. Um, so I think on, on the one hand, uh, you've got a lot of confusion. On the other hand, I think there's a lot of opportunity there if somebody can take the lead. Um, of course, Taking, taking the lead, I think, will um, mean that you get buy-in from a lot of other people. So I'm not sure. It'd be interesting to know who is in a position to get that sort of buy-in. Yeah. To get everybody to collaborate. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that is one thing that is still just so interesting to me because when I, I, I believe I, I heard it quoted that currently Starbucks, which is a company I, when I go to Starbucks, I pay with my mobile phone, they're the biggest, I think they're the biggest processor of mobile payments. And if we're mm. honest with ourselves, Starbucks likely isn't gonna take the lead, which is what needs to be done. And so it will be really curious to see who actually does end up taking the lead there. And really to, so it doesn't, like you said, doesn't become a fragmented industry as we know it, but really it does become a central uh, means by which we can make payments. Right. And. I think you, you had said this to me earlier, but one of the interesting things that we heard today was that merchants drive a lot of what ends up happening yeah. in the mobile payments. So it's not as, it, it, 
basically they're the ones who, who have to get the payment. They have to they have to uh, have the point of sale solution. Yeah. So they're dictating a lot of what happens. Yeah, and I think that's one thing too that I think so so easily we can think oh this is this new technology's come out therefore everyone's going to start paying with their mobile phone. Well, for example, one of the things that I think of is a company like Walmart where. I, I don't know the number of individual registers that they currently have, but I would it's guess it's <laughs> you know the tens of millions is just a number I'm throwing out there. Maybe that's a little ambitious. Who knows what I, it is? I think you overshot by just a little yeah, bit. But. So, but however many there are, that they're the ones who are going to ha- ultimately, most likely, going to be the ones that bear um, the responsibility of ensuring that consumers are able to use those. And that's one of the things um, that the the presenter from the Federal Reserve noted today one of the difficulties in the entire mobile payments industry was that merchants are going to be the ones that have to buy in. And those merchants, like Walmart, uh, we recently learned that instead of partnering with Discover, which we talked about earlier, they've mm-hmm. since developed a relationship with MasterCard for their own company-issued cards, that th- they too have a significant buy-in. And it's not so much the, okay, well, the technology providers, whether it be uh, Google or Bank of America, there's some intersection between those, mm-hmm. but it's not just a one-way street. There's also the merchants themselves who yep. are ultimately the the ones who accept these payments. So there has to be a buy-in from them as well. And so I think that's one thing that very often I myself can forget is that, okay, the merchants too certainly have a say in this discussion. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of parties you have to get on the same page to yeah. get something to happen uh, in, in that industry. So uh, finally, it's BRICS. So we've talked a lot about international here, the, yep. the classic BRIC, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China. This is, this is one of the areas, these countries, I think people tend to look at them and say, well, there's so much growth opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be such a good thing. There was, a, there was a, a session earlier today that specifically addressed the considerations um, around uh, whether you oper- basically operating as a payments company, whether you're a acquirer, whether you're a merchant, whatever, um, in BRIC countries. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the overwhelming takeaways is that, as I mentioned before, you can't just think about how it operates here in the U.S. Yeah. and think that it's going to be the same in these BRIC countries because it is, it's very different overall, but then it's different in each one of them uh, in, in, in what you can and can't do, how they operate. Um, I, I think my takeaway in terms of the specific countries, uh, Brazil and Russia just seem like there is so much, so far that, that they need to go um, in order to have a, a reasonable playing field for businesses going in there. I'm, I'm sure that there are probably people that may have a different, have yeah, different may, view may on disagree. that. disagree, yeah. Um, but particularly from the, from the payments technology perspective, the, the payments perspective, China seems to be miles ahead of uh, the other BRIC countries. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the union pay thing we were talking about, one of, the, one of the big things with China is that it's much easier to do cross-border transactions. So China mm-hmm. is almost encouraging commerce to go on across the border, whereas some of these other countries, not as much. It, it seems like it's a lot more difficult. So. Um, I think the the broad takeaway is that it can be, I I don't don't know, I I think investors can be a little flipped sometimes about saying, well, X company has the ability to grow overseas. Um, They can can expand internationally. 
It's not as easy as that. Yeah. It's 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 not as easy as that. The you have to understand the regulations, understand the culture, understand what's going on in that country, um, and be able to, I, I guess I could say, overcome it yeah. in order to succeed in these countries. Yeah, well, and that was one of the fascinating two things that I learned today that I had no idea. I, I forget the name of the, the firm uh, that operates in Russia, but, but we learned that essentially every transaction there is made in cash, and that people mm. will, whether they'll go, and there's a system by which they go, deposit cash into, the, into these kiosks and turn to make mobile payments and people will automatically withdraw and things like that. And I think so often- There's no, there's no trust in the banks. Yeah, that we, we always think, whenever I hear BRIC, I think high growth. That's mm -hmm. a company whose GDP, or a company, a country whose GDP is gonna go up by 8% next year. Sure. Something like that. And just, I think an understanding that, okay, things are perhaps, you, you can't paint in broad brushstrokes. They make a great acronym, they're easy to say, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily mean that the, the underlying dynamics of the, the industries which operate in those countries and the, the underlying uh, just structure by, by which they're run are all similar and should be something that should be, like what you said, just said flippantly and saying, oh, it's a brick, therefore it's gotta be a good thing. It's like, well, there's a unique aspect to all of them. So closing out here, Thinking uh, about what you learned the, the first day of the conference here, yeah. are there is there is there a company um, that you had your mind changed about, or hmm. um, you, you got even more excited about after today's after today's sessions after what you heard about today? Yeah, that is a great question. I would think that the one that really comes to mind, and one that frankly I, I didn't, um, I've never really looked exclusively into their global presence. And I, I know this is the one that you enjoy too, so maybe this is your answer as well. But certainly Discover, just mm -hmm. hearing, um, just from the executive that presented, he just had a very, just a very positive outlook on their, their global presence and the opportunity that, that could perhaps await them through the relationships that they've built. And I think really often when I think of Discover, I think that it is a, a, a wonderful firm that, that offers yeah, a lot of just outstanding services here to its customers in the US. And I don't often think to, okay, well, what perhaps does it do internationally that could be another avenue for growth for it? So it's certainly something where I've, I've never really dove into it to really understand, okay, what does their international business look like? But that was certainly one that stands out immediately. Yeah, so you you stole Discover from me. Oh, that goodness. was gonna, that was going to be my answer. I I, I agree with you. I, I think that what what I heard today, the the avenues that Discover is pursuing to um, actually achieve growth globally, um, were were interesting and compelling. To to put a bonus one in there, I'll go ahead and say Alibaba. Okay. So so this is this is. Uh, I think we can call it, at least part of it, is the China's answer to eBay. Yep. Um, and one of the things that I actually wasn't really familiar with, and, and this goes to my lack of familiarity with the with the Chinese market, yeah. uh, is Alipay. So Alipay mm -hmm. is Alibaba's answer to PayPal. And uh, Alipay is larger than PayPal. And when it comes to China payments in general, um, one of the panelists that, that I heard speak today um, referred to credit cards as the alternate form of payment. Interesting. So whereas in most countries, particularly here in the U.S., we think of credit cards as, particularly for e-commerce, 
you go online, you pay with a credit card, or you pay with an alternate form. So PayPal yeah. would be the alternate form of pay payment. In China, uh, Alipay took the lead early on in, um, in uh, e-commerce payments, and it really wasn't until 2011 before you saw really any credit card payments uh, used for e-commerce. So, um, so Alibaba, uh, foreign company, uh, not, uh, not, not, not quite the same as Discover, yeah. not as easy to buy as Discover, certainly, but, um, but an interesting one to keep an eye on. Terrific, that's one I'll have to look into. All right, well that's our show for today. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. We will be back on site uh, here at the Transact 2014 conference again, uh, bringing some more takeaways from the conference. Take care, we'll see you tomorrow. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.